Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the latest edition of First Down Snapcast. I'm your host, Richard Butler. Joining me tonight as my co-host is Dylan. And we're joined tonight by Lonnie March Jr. from Jacksonville, Florida. How's everyone doing tonight? Doing well. Doing well. You good? You're repping the Jags there, Dylan. Oh, I, <laughs> I see it. I see it. You, you know what's coming, right? <laughs> Couldn't, couldn't get any further down there. My, my, my team's not even showing, but they're hiding at the moment, so oh. we're, we're struggling. <laughs> yeah, they were hiding all season. We're, 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 we're in the lean spell now. We've got to go back to that not winning stage again, so... <laughs> it won't be long. <laughs> uh, depends. Depends how long Cam Newton's at the helm. It could be a bit longer yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. It's always hard, though, to replace when you've had a golden generation, but all teams do come back. Yeah, true. And, and you know, um, the, the fact that they have a, a quarterback and a, a mastermind coach, um, it, it's they've done it for so long, though, you know? And, and I remember when the Patriots were, were terrible. You know, they couldn't find the right person to put in, uh, in the, at the quarterback position, any other position, really. But uh, they had some great players. And... For them to do it as long as they've been doing it, you know, it's only a matter of time before they get it right again. So, uh, you just got to do it with a different guy. 
I just think the other 31 teams are going to hope it lasts as long as possible so they can all have a party. <laughs> yeah, as you hope. Yeah. So I was doing a bit of research, Lonnie, and unfortunately, the year you came into NFL, you went in undrafted in Kansas. But to some, I've, I've spoke to players before, and making the NFL sometimes can be more important than not being drafted anyway. So to still get that opportunity, it means everything, even if you didn't come through being, being selected any of the rounds at the draft. Yeah, you know, um, to be honest with you, uh, Richard, one of the things that I learned was that once you get invited to camp, it's anybody's game. Um, you know, yes, you have those players who are coming back in and they've been pro bowl players or they're up and coming, but anyone, anyone who's fifth round, fourth round down, Free agent, when you come into camp, those the way the way the way the I guess the financial picture goes, if you can find a guy that's undrafted with a lot of upside and is willing to learn, those are the guys that you want to keep your 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 cap costs down. Why? Because you know a fourth round is gonna want to have such and such signing bonus. You got to pay him a certain amount, but you get a, a undrafted free agent who can come in and play. And you know he can play. He's going to be there. You 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 take that chance, and and you you you, know, you basically groom him to do what you want done. And so it, it's it happens. Uh, it happens quite frequently, actually. So um, you know, it, it was a great opportunity, and uh, I, I made the most of it. Yeah, I'm not saying that people who get drafted don't have the hunger, but would you say maybe the undrafted in the free agency going into the camp sometimes potentially can have the more hunger, and they're willing to show more. Oh yeah, to earn yeah, that definitely. space definitely. And, and the reason being, uh, you know, you, that's your only shot. You know, uh, I think we have a, 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 a. They're talking about how the Naval Academy right now is denying a couple players. One player that was at Tampa Bay, a defensive back, and another player is a pitcher. Uh, they're denying them the opportunity to go chase their dream in the pro in the professional uh, leagues. And it is, it is, everyone knows that that is something that doesn't come around that often. You don't get an opportunity like that that often. And so when you have a free agent who gets that opportunity, he, he recognizes immediately that one mistake, you're out. You can't make the same mistakes everybody else makes. You're out. You, you, and, and it just piles up on you. So guys who may get an opportunity to, to make more than one mistake, fourth, fifth round, sixth round, because they drafted you. So they got to they gotta hold up to it. They got to make it look like they were choosing a good player. And undrafted free agent, no. We can, we, can, we can get rid of you, and no one will even know you were here. So you have to be better than everyone else, and you have to look at it like that. And so every day is about staying alive. Yeah, definitely. Um, first couple of scenes in Kansas, probably were, you were involved with a team, but you didn't really get – the game starts till year three when you sort of took your own in the team. Yeah. Was that difficult or to come in at that point or were you enjoying your role and when it was brought to your, brought to your time for you to bring that role in? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I, I was learning because the NFL is such a, such a it's, it's not a dumb man's game. It's a very intelligent game. And if you look at that roster that I was on, we had at least six to seven Pro Bowl players on that team. And so when you're playing with those guys, you don't want to get on the field and make mistakes because 
no matter how good you think you are, if those guys don't want you out there and you're making them look bad, you will never see the field again. So for me, it was about learning how to get on the field, learning how to play like a Kansas City Chief, learning how to make sure that I didn't make the same mistakes twice. And that is, that is difficult. And so um, I, I enjoyed my time up until it was my time to get on the field. And I was very well prepared. Marty Schottenheimer made sure that I knew exactly what to do in every situation. And uh, you'd be surprised at how many times he put me in those situations during the practice that, you know, it, it just made the game easy. So I enjoyed yeah. it. That's good. That it, I just sort of, Thought I mentioned as well. So in your second season, obviously you weren't a regular starter, but you did get a return touchdown in that second season. How did that feel? Obviously, we, you speak to defensive players all the time, and they actually love a touchdown more than offensive players. It, it, it felt good, but uh, I, I I did get razzed a good bit by um, my my defense. Well, my team told because uh, I let Kelly Stauffer, uh cut me at the goal line, and uh, I wound up having wear a knee brace for like. Two weeks after that, mm. I let a quarterback cut me at the uh, at the goal line. So I got, I, I mean, it felt good, but it was also one of those things where, uh, yeah, I should have never let him <laughs> cut me like that. But, uh, but yeah, it was it was great. Uh, and and again, that was one of the reasons why I, I didn't mind taking my time getting on the field because I, I knew what my game was. My game was turnovers, and so I could get turnovers. You say about taking your time there in Kansas which then propelled you for your move to Tampa, where you'd probably say you had your Fred, your best years of your career in Tampa. Your game had sort of come to, the fr- you're a fourth-year veteran, and it all started to just tie in together. It, it did, it did. It, um, you know what, To be to, to, again, to be quite honest with you, my move to Tampa was pride. You know, I, I should have stayed in Kansas City, but my move, my move to Tampa was pride. I thought I was that good. And I was going to go show how good I was in a division that I really didn't understand. And with a coaching staff and a team that I knew needed my help, but I didn't know how much help we really needed overall. And so when I went to Tampa, um, Hardy Nickerson was there. Great player. We had great defensive players, Eric Curry. Um, we had Santana Dotson. I mean, uh, we, we, it, was, it was a list of who's who. Martin Mayhew. We had some, we had some top-notch guys. Charles Demery. And so we, we, uh, we got off the plane and I realized that divisions were different. This was a, a man's division. This was a running game division. And I came from a passing division. And so I, I, I got a wake up call that first year. I didn't do as well as I wanted to, but then entered in uh, Tony Dungy and said, hey, either you're gonna do it the way that we need it done or we're gonna find somebody who can. And he treated us like men no screaming, yelling, and all of a sudden things started to fall in place because he believed in what we were doing. I also got a chance to play under Monty Kiffin and uh, um, Lovey Smith, who put me in the right positions, knew what I was good at. And so we started to, we started to blitz and, and do Tampa too, and all of a sudden it was, uh, it was a different game plan. Did you prefer playing on the left side in Tampa to the right side in Kansas? Did it suit your game better, no, as you say? No. No, I'm I'm, a, I'm more right-handed, but um, <laughs> one of the things that one of the things that I I did realize was that most teams ran to their right, and so being on the right side of the defense, I was out of the play a lot of times. So when you move me to the left side, 
I, all of a sudden I'm in the action and uh, I love that. So I, I, I like being on the right-hand side, but I want to make plays, so I go to the left. Being a mix of it. And I can imagine on the left side as well, being a, a running division, as you say, a bit more physical, you, you're going to see a hell of a lot more action on that left side. Oh, let me tell you something. I uh, by, by the time we got out of camp, I could tell you how long, I, I could actually tell you without looking which guy was pulling front side guard or left side guard because how long it took for them to get there. And it wasn't a lot of time. It was just the fact of how fast, how quickly it got up on you, what you had to do next. And so in the running game, when they're pulling guards and they're pulling tackles uh, and you got to take those guys on, you better know exactly where to be every single time. And so the running game, physicality, uh, you had to, had to be with it every time. So I was a little bit bigger backer than uh, most backers nowadays. So. Yeah, it was very, like I say, a very successful time in Tampa. Did you find that moving around the divisions in people say the AFC and the NFC play differently? And you mentioned there about the pass and the run. Is it perceived different as well by players, both sides of the league? Back then it was. I think now everything is passing game with, um, you know, if you have a run game, show your run game, but you're really trying to pass the ball to make score points. So uh, it's a little bit different game now. But back then, yes, everyone knew. Everyone knew. I mean, you, you knew right off. If you were in the AFC uh, West, that, that's passing, passing division. They're gonna, you, you better be ready to run, better be able to cover, better have some really good uh, defensive backs. If you were in uh, the what the NFC NFC East maybe NFC East uh, yeah you better get ready to, that that ball's coming downhill every single time and they're gonna only pass the ball when they do play action or when they just straight drop back and they know they got to get a, a you know first down other than that you're gonna get hit with the ball every single time so yeah everyone knew everyone knew <laughs> it's, it's it's just in, it's very interesting to see like the comparisons to like how it is now to 10, 20 years ago and how much it's changed. And you wouldn't like say now it's all about the quarterback. It's not about the defensive guys or the linebackers. It's all about the quarterbacks and the star players. But I spoke on the show, we've spoken to a few ex-pros, a lot of them defensive guys. It's like, we make them, we make them teams. (laughs) And it's, you, you can't win games without D's. Well, you, you, you really can't. Um, here's the thing. Um, I, 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 I understand and, and many people will, will always say, you know, offense makes the game exciting. But, but what you have, to, you have to really picture in your head is the offense is always trying to change the game so that it suits them. Uh, the latest thing that they've done is they've come out with the RPOs. Now, if you understand football, Linemen and linebackers have always been taught if you have a offensive lineman downfield, that's a run. It tells you right away. If he comes downfield because he's uncovered and that means he doesn't have a, a guy over him, if he comes downfield, he's uncovered. That's a run. Nowadays, they've taken that away. So you can have linemen downfield and they still pass the ball, which is not supposed to happen. So what you've, what you've done is you've taken away the one thing that defensive players, as far as linebackers, safeties, had to tell them, sure, it's a run. The offense already knows where they're going. 
but now the defensive players have to figure it out even more. So I don't understand why it's allowed, but it is. And so you got to learn to play with it. No different than when they said, hey, you can't hit the run, you can't hit the wide receivers uh, 10 yards downfield. To me, if you want to make it, you know, equal, go ahead and let the defensive backs hit the wide receivers downfield. That way, you won't have as easy a pass catch for these quarterbacks, so-called superstar quarterbacks and wide receivers, if you let those wide receivers get jammed a little bit longer, since you're letting offensive linemen come downfield and they're not supposed to. So they change the game all the time to mix and match what they wanted to do. And so that's why you're going to see the points scored. But defensive players, we very rarely complain. We just go out and play. And we figure out how to make it happen and come up to their level and beat them at their own game. So um, you can imagine what I thought when I saw Tampa, you know, get after, uh, you know. <laughs> so I was like, hey, it's defense, baby, defense. <laughs> yeah, that, it was definitely a defensive performance last year, especially in the Super Bowl. I literally yep. t- taught that Kansas City offensive line and just how to play football. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen Patrick Mahomes so quiet in the game. <laughs> never, right? Never. He he never saw himself that quiet in the game either. So uh, I thought at some point in the game he'd become an acrobat trying to get the ball down the field. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he understands too. You can't be running down the field like that with, as a quarterback. You're supposed to throw the ball. And uh, obviously, with those, that defense that Tampa had, you don't want that anyway. They can put they can take him out the game really quick. So. What worries me is Tampa have got all them players again this year. That's what scares me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know what? There, there are some players moving around. I like the Julio Jones move. I, I do. I, I, I really like that because I know you, <laughs> you're like, no, I'll, I'll tell you why I like it. I like it because whenever you stop Derrick Henry, how many people do you have in the box? Yeah. You usually got 10 people in the box, and you try to get 11 in there if you can. With Julio Jones? you're only going to get about eight or nine in the box and that's taking a chance. So, you know, that, that if, if Julio Jones lasts and uh, he can take the top off, that's going to, that's going to ensure that Derrick Henry has even more yards or Julio Jones is going to have a, uh, he's going to light it up. So, uh, and they they also already have enough wide receivers to just go around. So, I like that move. I do. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a good move. And that sort of moves on to your next team after Tampa, which are the Tennessee Titans now. But back then, it was the Houston Oilers uh, when you yeah. joined. <laughs> Again, you moved back over to AFC. And obviously, this is where you'd finish your career in AFC South. But how were the two years in Houston? Obviously, at this point when you were there, there was already the rumblings of the franchise being moved. Mm-hmm. And it was already getting a bit disgruntled within the community. Did that? Did the players feel that? They did. They did. Uh, I, I moved there from Tampa and came into a situation where I really didn't understand what was happening. Um, but the players, the coaches, they had had enough with everything that was going on with the Astrodome. And so Bud Adams decided to move the team, got a chance to move it. And it was quick. I tell you this. We came in. Our last day of OTAs, sat down, was talking about, hey, this is what we got to do to get ready for the season. And Jeff Fisher says to all of us, guys, I'm excited to make this announcement. We are, we've been let out of our lease with the Astrodome, and we are moving to Nashville, Tennessee. 
you cannot go on a vacation now. You have to go up to Tennessee and find a place to live. And I looked at a couple other players in the room and I was like, are you serious? Is this a joke? Are you, because I, I had moved, I thought Houston was going to be a place where, since I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, I didn't want to play in New Orleans. I wanted to play outside of it and be able to have my family come. And so I'm thinking, my family's going to see me play five hour ride. Yeah, they'll see me play. No, we're going, we're going to Nashville. And so uh, you can imagine my thoughts with Jeff Fisher. I, I actually pulled Jeff Fisher aside outside the room. I said, hey, are you serious? Are you, are you really serious about this? And he said, yes. Everybody else is jumping up and down, screaming, yeah, yeah, we're out of our lease, ready, ready to go, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I can't believe this crap. <laughs> you know, I've just, I've just moved there for my family and you're moving me yeah. away. <laughs> I'm just, what? I'm, I'm like five hours away. Now you're gonna, I don't know where Nashville is. What are you doing? And so, um, yeah, so, so we, we, we did not go on vacation that year, went straight to Nashville, found a place to live and got ready for the season. What was interesting about that is once we got to Nashville, the people in Tennessee seemed as though they didn't want us there. And I think what it was, was they didn't want us there as uh, the pretense of Oilers. They wanted a new name. And uh, the Bud Adams didn't want to give them a new name. And he just wanted to move them there. And that lasted for two years. And then he had to change the name. So they got what they wanted. And then Jeff Fisher, uh, 15, 20, 15 years to 20 years down the line, does the same to the Rams, doesn't he? Moves I was just going to say, if, if Jeff Fisher turns up at your team, you might as well get packing for somewhere else. <laughs> you know what's happening. It's about to move. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he hasn't really been seen since Rams moved. So maybe he's, he hasn't found someone who needs to move. He might end up at charges or somewhere next. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so up, up and down in. Houston, Tennessee, as it was there. And then you moved on to Jacksonville, which way you still call home now. Yes. And did this fit in, like I said, Jacksonville to New Orleans, it a far journey either for your family. So did this feel like a good move at the time? Yeah, yeah, it did. It did feel like a good move. Uh, it was, it was as we say, the open door at the moment. I honestly, when I got released from Tennessee, I, it was right before training camp started. And if you know anything about uh, training camp back then, not the training camp now, uh, players would rather sit out training camp and show up, you know, ready to play on game day. Uh, and I was going to sit out. But um, Tom Coughlin made sure that he contacted me that night <laughs> over and over again, over and over again, over and over again. And I finally... Uh, had a talk with my agent and he said, hey, I think this is a great move. Uh, Bryce Pop was injured at the time. And he said, you could probably go in there, play, make a name for yourself and possibly give them just another weapon and tool. And so that's basically what happened. Went in, played, did well. And uh, Bryce Pop got um, better. And when Bryce Pop got hurt, I want to say Tom McManus got injured in the Carolina game. And so I had to move to middle backer. So it was a new thing for me. So I got a chance to play strong side backer and middle. So it, it worked out pretty good. How did you find the move to middle line? Was it something you've always wanted to do through your career or no. was it an opportunity? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. I, I, I was good with weak side linebacker, strong side linebacker, but middle, I never wanted parts of. Uh, middle, you have to be able to talk and command the defense, um, you know, Will, you may have to make a call every now and then. Sam, you don't have to say anything. And so I was good with Sam. 
But playing middle uh, was a new thing for me, and I needed a lot of help. Uh, fortunately, I had some really good players in front of me, Tony Brackens, Gary Walker, um, uh, I, Eric Curry. Um, I, had, I had great players in front of me, defensive line. And literally, they, they made me look good because, as anyone will tell you, if the defensive line is good, playing linebacker is easy. All you do is make tackles. And so um, uh, they, were, they were excellent, and they took care of me that year. So um, the move to middle, I did not like, but um, I did really well. So. Yes, it was a, that 1999 season. It was a very successful year. Obviously, made the playoffs. Yeah, and yeah. got through, got through, beat Miami, but then came on stuck against Tennessee. Yeah. At the time, Jacksonville was still quite a new franchise, mm-hmm. and you were making history. And I know Dylan can probably back me up more on this. Mm-hmm. The community was really engaged around the time, still, even in them first few years, and a lot of work went on with the players. Did you find yourself outworking the community as well on your arrival there, more than you've done in previous franchise roles? No, not, not too much. I think for, for me, um, you know, I was an older player, and so I kind of knew the ropes already. Uh, and, and it's always about getting out in the community. You know, uh, um, this community embraced this team from day one, and so Tom Coughlin would make sure that it was in our contract that we had to get out and be in the community. Whereas Marty Schottenheimer, it was fun to get out in the community. You wanted to find as many things as you could do. Obviously, being a new player, I wanted people to know I was on the team. So uh, I would do whatever I could. When I got to Tampa, Tampa was a big deal because uh, there were so many special things that you did in Tampa around the community that, it, you know, it, it was fun. Just, just I mean, exciting things. I mean, we had, we had go-kart races around the city. You don't see that happening nowadays, you know? So we, we had fun in Tampa. Uh, when we got to uh, Nashville, we were still new. So we didn't, we didn't you know, no one really knew us that much. Uh, couple radio shows, but not a lot going on, not probably like they have now. And so coming back to Jacksonville and being a part of the community, yeah, it, it was great because Mark Brunel, Tony Baselli, everybody was out in the community and the community loved the team. They really embraced the team. Uh, I mean, this city goes crazy around the Jaguars. And so I'm excited about, you know, the future because they've been up and down. They were starting to, to, to go in the right direction a couple of years back. But right now, you know, where, where the team is, it looks like we have a, a, an exciting coach who will bring an exciting offense, an exciting team, and get, get people back out truly watching football and, you know, not really knowing what's going to happen, but being excited about the future. Right? It is going to get better. And so um, I, I think – if they have some success early on, this this city is going to go crazy, and it's going to be you know you, we we were we were we were talking about Minshew mania. You haven't seen you haven't seen when this city gets behind this team. It is it is amazing to see all the camaraderie, the fans, the just the, the things that go on. And so um, you got a great owner who's willing to put money where his mouth is, and so uh, this could be a different difference maker this year. Yeah, he's definitely. I think, like you say, going back to a couple of years ago when they almost got they got to the championship game and it just sort of went downhill and a few players went and it all started the exodus. It felt like back then they spent heavy to win, whereas this time they're going for the better, steady build. We're not throwing it all in one go. They're building bit by bit this time. Made yeah. more measured approach. 
Yeah, yeah, and and I, I think that's a, a great way to go, especially when you have a, a a new coach, you know, who's bringing a new mindset, who uh, is coming from a ranks that he may, he 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 won't know everything about the NFL, and so he's gonna it's gonna be a learning curve for him, and uh, his coaching staff has some veteran players uh, on it for for coaches in NFL, but I don't know if. I don't know how much success they will have early. So that's why I said, if they have success early, everyone's going to shout that they're, they're, we're, we're about to go to playoffs. Uh, but I think it's going to be a tough year simply because it's a learning curve. And from quarterback to coaching staff to defensive coaching staff, everyone is going to have to just remain patient and know that, yes, we're building block by block, but it's going to be a great foundation once they get it done. Yes, it definitely will. Um, just before we go back, talk about the Jag- Jaguars this season and some of some questions I think Dylan's got for you. You currently you've got your own sports performance center in Jacksonville, where you're working on the next gen of NFL players trying to get in. What well, made you want to get into that? <laughs> that that actually that, that that actually I've I've stopped doing that for a while. Um, I was doing that maybe three years ago. Well, actually about five six years ago. What happened was I, I was training athletes and trying to give them, you know, benefit of 10, 11 years in the NFL and uh, teaching players how to compete and do things right. And that, that just came out of, there's a gentleman here named Tom Shaw. He actually works in, um, in Orlando and he trains a lot of combine athletes, super player. I mean, not super player, super coach has trained me back when I came out. That's how long he's been doing it. He trained me in New Orleans um, and uh, just caught up with him and start working on how I could train and make athletes better than what I was able to do. And so uh, that was a point in time, like I said, about six, seven years ago. And as I was doing that, I found myself with two young boys who wanted to play football at a high school. And I went to that high school and became the coach. And so I had been coaching high school football for the past 10, 11 years. And um, I actually became an athletic director for five or six of those years. And at this point, uh, well, when COVID happened, enrollment dropped. And so I got furloughed. And so uh, I started to do something else, took on another project that uh, I've been wanting to do, so. I think I need to write to Wikipedia and get you updated. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Don't help yeah, current right. Your current profession just sports performance. So we need, I think I might need to write to him and say, you need to update this. <laughs> yeah, what are you guys doing? Keep up. <laughs> you know, what's going on? You change, you change stuff what no one's bothered about, but history, like stuff like that, you just stop that. Yeah, it's upsetting. Yeah, it? <laughs> you know, you're like, you're old, dude. We're not worried about you anymore. <laughs> Uh, have you got any questions in around with Jacksonville Jaguars? Obviously, you're a big Jags fan. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I spoke to um, about a month or two ago with um, my callers about um, that amazing playoff game against the Dolphins, um, <laughs> one of my favorite games of all time, um, where you guys retired, Dan Marino. <laughs> <laughs> What was that? What was that game like? I mean, sixty-two-seven against you know a great team. <sighs> yeah, the, the the to be honest with you, um, we could do no wrong. 
we could literally do no wrong. Uh, that was the, that was probably the only game I played in where you you literally were running down the field chasing you know a, a Dolphins running back a wide receiver and the ball would pop out and someone would jump on it and it'd be like oh hand the ball back to the offense and then they would hand it to Fred Taylor and touchdown. <laughs> you know, I was like wow just running down the field oh look a ball grab it pick it up hey offense you got it uh, hand it to Fred Taylor touchdown you know it's like. No wrong. And and so um, for Dan Marino, knowing Dan and knowing how much of a competitor he was, I think that was the reason why Dan said, you know what, I think it's time for me to stop just because at the end of the day, um, th that wasn't supposed to happen. And it did. And so maybe we just finished with that. And um, uh, like I said, you know, I'm not super proud of the fact that I retired, we, we retired Dan Marino but more of the fact that Fred Taylor went off. And I mean, he just had a phenomenal game because he's such a great player. And, and for that to be a, you know, a keynote on his career, man, I mean, Fred, Fred was phenomenal. So um, yeah, kind of lean towards our player instead of theirs, but yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Just nothing could go wrong. I'll, I'll take that score at Tottenham this year. <laughs> bit of an interesting <laughs> game to watch. <laughs> I'll take that repeat. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> in that game and, and others throughout, throughout that season, it just seemed like the team just gelled so well to to get, and it, it just showed with, with the Pro Bowl then. So many went on to the Pro Bowl, Leon Searcy, um, Brunel, Jimmy Smith, um, you know, Taylor, Fred Taylor, and so many amazing players yeah. just seemed to have gelled so well. Do you think um, it was just it was going to happen anyway, or, or do you think a lot of that was down to how Coughlin coached? Because Jaguars seem to have gone from from such a new team they they went they went straight up, you know, right. pretty quick. Yeah, I think I think a lot of it was Coughlin. Um, if, if anyone will tell you, Coughlin was tough to get along with. Uh, as a as a rookie player, a young player, you probably did not gel with Coughlin at all. But as a older player, he probably was great because he 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 taught you. Look, all I need you to do is your job. We're here to play football. That's why I pay you, and I need you to do your job. That was it. If if you did anything other than that, he was going to have a problem with you. The older guys knew that. The younger guys didn't. So um, Coughlin instructed us the right way to do things and play hard, play tough physical football. And that was our game. So going out and doing that week after week and then having a, a really good defensive coordinator, Dom Capers, who had scheme after scheme and could really make great use of the players like Kevin Hardy. Uh, uh, I mean, it, it was, it, it was a, it was, we were going to come together, but I think because of Coughlin's ideal of how the team should play and what it looked like, I also believe that it, it came together faster than it would have any other time. And he knew, hey, we got these players here for a short period of time. Let's get this thing done. We, 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 we have great play in every position, at all positions. There's no weak spots. And it showed 14-2. The only teams that we lost to was the team that I came from, and I wanted so bad to choke them. So you know, it, was, uh, <laughs> it was one of those things where it's bittersweet, you know. Yeah, fourteen and two, but 
who did you lose to? Team I came from. So, um, but again, you know, I think it, he he his persona brought that team together a little bit quicker than normal. Yeah, he seemed to to get the best out of everyone. Like you said, a lot of players didn't gel with him, but looking back, could have kind of understood where where he was coming from. We spoke, um, me and Richard spoke to Grant, Greg Huntington uh, a few weeks ago, and he said, Greg, so he, um, he said that Tom told him, oh, you're only this weight because you're trying to look good for the ladies. <laughs> if you were a prop player, you'd be five, 10 pounds heavier than what you are right now. And looking back, he understood that he's, he's trying to push and push and get the best out of, of you. Um, and Jimmy Smith, I spoke to him as well, and he said the same. Uh, you know, he tried to get the best out of him, and that just showed that that season was just an incredible, you know, uh, team. Yeah, and, and honestly, that that exactly that's exactly what he was trying to do. And he would come to each player, and he would talk to you about what do you need to do to be the best player on the field on Sunday. Every Sunday and every week, he made sure. I mean, we had linemen who used to go in, they drink and eat and, and be, I mean, swollen. You know? But they would go in there and try to drop as many pounds as they could before they got on that scale because they knew, I have to be a certain weight when I step on that field. And, you know, it, it was tough, but, hey, they, they would get rid of that weight as fast as they could. As soon as they put it on, they get rid of it. And Coughlin uh, knew. I need my guys to be this size, this way. I need you to play this way. I need you to be preparing yourself this way. And I want to see you do it. I want to be there, see you do it so that we can have the best team possible. And that's why I said, because of his personality and the way he approached the game, that's why that team came together so quick. Yeah. Uh, looking back at your career, who was your favorite coach and got the best out, I mean, got the best out of you? I mean, you spoke about Tom mm -hmm. Coughlin. You know, Tony Dungy's an you know, incredible coach as well. Who do you feel got the best out of you? Um, initially, I would say the best was Marty Schottenheimer because he taught me how to prepare. But then the one that got the best out of me was Tony Dungy. Treated me like a man, uh, understood what my, my abilities were and put me in position to make plays and... Um, inspired me, really inspired me to do better, to, to, to make myself what really what you saw when uh, I wound up playing for Tennessee and, and the Jacks. All that came from, one, learning how to prepare with Marty, and two, being inspired by Tony Dungy to do it every day, day in, day out. This is the kind of player you are. So I would say those two. Going back to your college career and then going into the NFL, you were – um, you were a safety in college. Would, uh, did you, whose decision was it? Was it yourself or was it a coach to go into uh, being a linebacker? Um, you know, uh, honestly, uh, I, 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 was a, I was a rover in college because I, I, I was a tweener at the time. So I didn't, I didn't fit the defensive end mode and I didn't fit the full out linebacker mode. So I was a, I was a rover. And uh, playing rover, quite frequently, I would wind up dropping back, playing cover two, or, or every now and then hitting the third or dropping to the flat from the uh, safety position. So um, I was light, probably 6'2", 212. When I got to the NFL, I, I started to gain weight. 
And as I gained weight, they could easily see I should probably play weak side linebacker, opposite side of uh, our rush backer, which was Derek Thomas. And so um, as, I, as I just got a little bit older, I grew into it, got a, you know, a different type of weight training program. And before long, I was, you know, 6'2", 6'3", you know, 240, 245. And so um, that, that warranted that I play <laughs> linebacker. So I guess my size changed it. Yeah. So, um, in your time in, um, in Kansas, um, obviously you had um, Joe Montana there. Um, just did, did you play, did you guys get to play a lot of um, drills against that offense? And then did knowing that quarterback of his quality, was that, uh, did that push you on to just want to, you know, that him? Let's just say this. Uh, we had Joe Montana and we had Marcus Allen show up on our team that year. Uh, you talk about, you know, we had the googly eyes looking at these guys like, man, that's Joe Montana, Marcus Allen. That's, that's some awesome guys. But yes, we had, we had to compete against them. And so I learned so much uh, about pass rush and, and taking on running backs, tackling running backs from Marcus Allen. It, 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 I mean, great guy. And, and, and could play his behind off uh, and, and just, I, I just, I just, I, I would actually follow him around at practice and ask him, Hey, what about this? What about that? What do you think, think about this? What do you think about that? And uh, he, he would, you know, he'd take his time out talk to you. Uh, Joe Montana um, never saw a guy with that much confidence in his arm. I was actually covering a, a tight end and he, he threw the ball in there when I was in front of the tight end and I had a hand in the spot where the ball should come he still threw it in there. That's how confident he was with the ball. But I'll say this, I was the first guy that intercepted him at practice as well. So uh, he, tried to, he tried to do it one time too many. And I, uh, I caught one and I'm, I'm running around the field like, I got the ball, I got the ball. And he's like, he's like, hey, I'll pay you to give me that ball back and say it never happened. <laughs> so, uh, but, but yeah, we, uh, you know, Joe Montana, we play with Joe Montana, Dave Craig, uh, Marcus Allen, they, I mean, these, these guys are phenomenal players and they have so much wisdom and uh, they played the game at a different level. And so uh, from them, you gained a lot of confidence in what you were capable of. When Marcus Allen tells you you're a darn good linebacker, uh, you, you're a darn good linebacker because he's not, he don't, he don't sugarcoat it. He's not lying. He's not giving him out left, left, right and center, is he? <laughs> no, no. He might not even talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, he's good, but I at speaking to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't even know the guy's name. <laughs> he won't. He won't be here next week. <laughs> but yeah, great, With great players, great players. Tough, these tough uh, quarterbacks and um, these elite players you you were you were with that throughout your career. Um, who was the toughest player that you played against and? you felt the brought best out of you? Huh, okay, that's, that's, two, that's a two-fold question. Um, yeah. The player that I played against um, that brought the best out of me was Junior Seau. Because I, I, I watched Junior do things that no one should be able to do on the field. And uh, it would all, I would always step my game up because I knew if I'm playing the Chargers, 
he's going to show up. I need to show up too. So he would bring the best out of me with my game. The toughest player to play against offensively, Barry Sanders by far. Barry Sanders was a human highlight reel. You can, you can, I, I'm surprised they don't even show the film that, that, that he had. Uh, just take any game. I don't care what game it is. I don't care if he had 10 yards in the game. Find that game and watch how many people he makes look foolish every single time. And it's, it's human highlight reel. The, the worst game you could ever imagine playing. We would step out on the field and knew that there's 11 of us, one of him, and we probably couldn't tackle him the first time, all 11. So, um, yeah, Barry Sanders, just phenomenal. Just, I, I mean, it, bl it, it blows your mind. There's no player like him. I don't care what they think of Tyreek Hill. I don't care what you see. I, there, there's no player in the history of this game that is like Barry Sanders. Uh, I, I saw it, huh? I retired too early as well. Just looking at the numbers, his numbers, you know, even at, towards the end. Just you, you can say that, but if you know Barry, you, you understand Barry is not that, that guy. He's very humble. He doesn't talk a lot of trash. I've seen guys punch Barry in the nuts. I've seen him spit in his face. I've seen him twist his arm, twist his knee. You don't hear a word come out of his mouth. He gets up, goes back to the huddle, and you best believe, you hope, you hope that he does not have a one-on-one -on -one with you in the open field because he's going to make you look that bad on his way to a touchdown. And it's like, I, I, I would tell our guys, do not, do not make him mad. <laughs> do not make him mad. That is the last person we want to make mad. Just let him have a simple game. Stay on your tackles. You know, don't let go. But do not make him mad. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I spoke to Larry Lee a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, he, was in, he played for Detroit and he was like vice president there when Barry was there. And I asked about him and he was like, he just wanted to play football. He wasn't bothered about the media. He didn't care. He just wanted to get on that field and play football. That's all That's he it. wanted to do. And he, did, and he sure did play football. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, that, if I, I would not want to be a different. I'd be like, I'm off this week, coach. I'm not playing. <laughs> Well, uh, we, we were saying that anyway while we were out there. We're off. We're off. Just hopefully he falls down or gets run out of bounds or something, but, but no one's tackling him. So, yeah. Um, my final question then, um, one that I ask everyone that I interview, um, who, who was the locker room joker during your career? Oh, funny enough, funny, funny enough, at Kansas City, it was Dave Craig. And uh, Joe Montana, that's um, Steve DeBerg. You know, Steve DeBerg would actually come into a meeting uh, dressed as Santa Claus and, and sit there with a cigar and a beer in his hand. And you would be like, okay, so I guess that's allowed here. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so, but he would, he, would sit, he would sit in the meeting, Santa Claus, you know, got, got the beard and everything, the, all the gear, gear on and got a, got a cigar and, and a beer in his hand, just watching film, you know, and, and everybody's in there like, Nice. That's cool. That's cool. So, so yeah, uh, Steve DeBerg by far, but Joe Montana and uh, Dave Craig would try to figure out how they could do things. Um, uh, it's a little bit gross, but they would take horse poop and put in uh, bags and put in people's lockers, you know, and just leave them there. And <laughs> over a week, you know, you got the, the trainers walking around like, you smell that? What is that? What is that? It's like in somebody's locker and they just pushed it down in there and they're like, <laughs> 
come on, man. <laughs> so, so yeah, just just guys got all kinds of all kinds of stuff. So those those are the ones I remember. Couldn't, couldn't do that nowadays. I want modern day players to throw a right hissy fit if you did that. Be straight, <laughs> of, be straight on TikTok or somewhere going, mm, I don't want to play no more. <laughs> yeah, right? Done. I don't want to do that. <laughs> you ruined me. So, yeah, those, those are the guys. Those are comp comedians, I guess. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, just before we let you go, Lonnie, obviously, it's great to have you on the show. Just talking Jacksonville this year, going in and I'll bring up Tennessee being your old team. I know from the outside, it probably looks like Indianapolis and Tennessee are the two favourites in the division. Mm-hmm. But Houston, I've got, I've got a problem. No, it's just like they've self-imploded over the last two years from being a Super Bowl contender to being nothing. So potentially under Jacksonville's new stewardship and the progression, potentially third, and if they have a good set of runs, that third place could actually still sneak into the playoffs. So I think it's just maybe a progression year this year for Jacksonville and then maybe a, another virtual climb to the playoffs next season. Would you see yeah. that as progress? Yeah, I, 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 when I look at the season, my, my, this is my take, and it's like I said, you know, for whatever it's worth, uh, I think they're going to have trouble early on. Again, because the NFL is, is such a dominant place to play and coming in with a new coaching staff, new philosophy, it's going to take some time to get that done on the field. No matter how good it looks during practice, it still has to be done on the field. And so I think it's going to be tough sledding early on, and then you're going to see flashes of, of what they will become, and then you're going to see where they need help. And once they figure out how to, I guess, mitigate you know, some of the, the issues that they're seeing week to week, um, you'll see them position themselves properly. To, to start being a factor in, in winning games. And then you're gonna see a, a, a team full of young people learn how to play the game late in the year and become that kind of team that says, this is, this, is a, this is who we are. This is how we win games. And once they figure out how they win games, I think that's when you're gonna see a team solidify as these are the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're gonna add a couple pieces here and there but this is what you're going to get on the field and you're going to see a team that's capable of going to playoffs years to come, because I think they're building it at a great foundation. And again, they have money, they have players, they have the ability to, to jump really high, but because the NFL has a great learning curve, especially against veteran players, like, you know, the Colts love to try to, you know, Colts in Tennessee, they love to make Jacksonville's life hard. And um, they've done that for the past couple of years, but I think Jacksonville's on the way up and going to change that. And so, again, put the right players in the right places. Got a great coach, coaching staff, and I think that'll that'll change. It's going to take a year, but it'll change. It's good positive news. It's in the right places. What about um, Tebow and tight end? What what do you think? (laughs) Um, You know, Tebow, Tebow has always impressed me because he, he, he just knows how to win. Ever since he's been at uh, Nice, he knows how to win. He was at Florida, he knows how to win. Uh, I always thought they, they didn't give him a fair shake uh, and the kid's a winner. And when you're a winner, you do things that win and you win games and no one can take that away from you. So um, I'm anxious to see how well he does at tight end, but what should happen is if he still got it, he'll win. You know, he'll be a winner. 
and, and he'll add to the team, not subtract from it. And we'll wind up, you know, praising Urban Meyer for making that move. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's what I like about what Jacksonville have done. They're always going to, they've gone and got a coach who knows how to win. They've got Trevor Lawrence, knows how to win. And I say, Tim too, but everyone thinks it's like a bit of a media circus, but he's a winner. Yeah. He yeah, knows how to win. And that's what Jacksonville have probably missed for a couple of years. Winners. And if you think about it, you got two running backs there with uh, uh, Robinson and ATN. That that can be a, a, a mixture that no one can handle. If you look at the Saints, uh, Kamara and um, uh, the other kid uh, that they had, the, the um, he, he went to, I guess he left and went to Baltimore, but no, Ingram, that Mark Ingram didn't at the time. Ingram, but you you mess around and put those guys with a good mix in the backfield where you can't cover them or you can't outstop them on the run. You could have uh, Trevor Lawrence being able to do some really good things downfield. So we'll see. Yeah, effectively, you've got the same situation now. Cleveland have got with Chubb and Hunt. It allows your quarterback to do what they want if you've got running backs like that. So <laughs> Very maybe cool. they could be the same. So uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Lonnie, to have you on the show. Um, always great to get ex-pros on, to have a quick chat and just find out their stories around the NFL because every story is different and it's you don't always hear them because you you just see on the on the NFL they go through the big gap, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, and it's the other stories we like to hear. But it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show tonight. I just want to thank you for having me. Uh, I thought, you know, every now and then you get calls from guys and you're like, are they serious? Do you really want, you really want me? What do you, you don't know anything. But then, and uh, it's been great. It's been great talking with you and Dylan. So uh, I, I thank you for having me on. Great show. Uh, and I, I applaud you for taking the time out to get to know stories because that's, that's no. very important. Very important. It's what we like to hear. We love the game. And it doesn't matter. Who you play for, if you've played six games in NFL or you've won five Super Bowls, every story means something to us guys. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. Right. Thank you guys. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.